Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yo, what up, TCK Potters? Sky and Bobby back with you for another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, you can find us right here on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe, hit the bell, leave a comment, and you can make sure to follow Bobby on Twitter at FFXFactor. You can find myself at Sky Guasco. This is episode 388 of the TCK Pod, a.k.a. Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Today we are breaking down the rookie rundowns for the AFC North and the NFC North. If you caught our last episode with Corey Bushnell, my man broke it down. Serious talk. We were breaking down the other three divisions. We have three more to go. We're going to get into that next week. And we're also going to dive into the NFL schedule that dropped uh, just a couple of days ago and just give you our immediate thoughts on the week one, um, the overall combined win percentages of some of these teams from last year, strength of schedule on NFL terms, and also look at some of the fantasy values and players that we're going to be targeting due to the schedule or avoiding in redraft leagues due to the schedule. As well, before we get going on, though, let's uh, check in with our man Bobby Lamarco. Bobby, what's up, bro? How are you feeling? Sky, man, ready to talk some football. I've uh, been working all week, tired of it, ready to talk football instead with you for the next hour. So let's get into it. I love it, brother. Let's let's do it, man. I'm I'm excited about it. I'm really excited to get into this uh, scheduling. But first, let's dive in and jet back a little bit to. Let's jump into the rookie fantasy-relevant rookie players from the AFC North. I'm going to break down the NFC North. You've got the AFC North. We've got a few pick and choose who you want to start with first. Just give me the fantasy-relevant players and what they might mean as the rookies come in, but also for the veterans, and I'll let you go ahead and kick it off here in the AFC North. Who you got? Yeah, we got the Baltimore Ravens, and you know when I when you look in this one, it's obviously Rashad Bateman coming in with Marquise Brown now and Mark Andrews. I heard a couple guys talk about this as compared to like AJ Brown's landing spot, low pass volume offense, and then AJ Brown took off. The one thing I will push back on when people talk about that is no one knew Ryan Tannehill was going to become Ryan Tannehill. Like everybody was basing AJ Brown's draft position on Mariota. And, you know, at the time, no one knew Ryan Tannehill has become one of the top five most efficient quarterbacks in football. So you have to evaluate the situation as is. And listen, you know, I personally am going to take this uh, more detail later in the year because I do want to do some more analysis on guys. Like how was Lamar Jackson's target percentage to guys like Miles Boykin to Des Bryant? You know, were there, were there major drop-offs? So I'm going to take a look at that too for Rashad Bateman because if Bateman steps in and he's going to get, you know, 75, 80 targets probably year one, I'm not expecting Marquise Brown to go anywhere. I'm not expecting Mark Andrews to take a big step back either. So I think overall his impact is the biggest boost to Lamar Jackson. I think a lot of people are starting to get on the top two pick for Lamar Jackson this year behind maybe with Patrick Mahomes, but he's clearly locked into that top four with Josh Allen and Kyle, Kyle Murray. So I think Lamar Jackson to me is a, this is a great uh, redraft or dynasty restart. Well, I'm going to say redraft for this focus. I think it's great for him. Um, because Lamar Jackson, I think out of those four guys now, you can wait to which guy's the last pick. It could be the best pick of all the quarterbacks. So if you can get Lamar Jackson around later, then you would get Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Kyler Murray. I think it's fantastic with Rashard Bateman. 
Um, the other thing, too, is they are investing in their offensive line. They got Ben Cleveland, who is apparently he's a behemoth of a man in the third round. But they also dra- um, brought over Kevin Zeitler, my boy from the Giants. So I'm, I think from an offensive line standpoint, they also have they added Andre Villanueva to play right tackle. They've done some nice stuff. They also get Ronnie Staley back. So they did a lot of the stuff they did last year without a dominant offensive line. I think they can return that this year, which is going to help guys like J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards on the ground. And we'll talk a little bit later about the scheduling for those guys as well. But uh, overall, I just think that from a Baltimore Ravens standpoint, um, it's exciting for Lamar Jackson, and it's exciting for the ground game, for some of the moves they made. I'm just not excited for the pass catchers per se because I think they're going to kind of cap each other out because of the low pass volume offense. But I'd like to get your feedback on how you feel about Rashad Bateman. Are, I guess, are you willing to draft him and redraft over Marquise Brown right away? And what are your thoughts on Mark Andrews as a top four tight end this year? I'm all in on Mark Andrews. Definitely all in on Mark Andrews. Um, I just drafted him in a dynasty league. He was the sixth tight end off the board in a dynasty league, and I thought that was absolute value. Um, in a redraft league, I'm still going to look at Mark Andrews, probably in the you know fifth round or something like that, sixth round, still getting value. Um, he has been one of the most prolific tight ends by the age of 25 in the NFL. The other three ahead of him are um, – Jimmy Graham, Tony Gonzalez, and Rob Gronkowski, and Mark Andrews by the time they're 25 years old, 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. He's been dominant, and we know that there's not a large pass share in Baltimore, but 25% of that target share went to Mark Andrews last year. So I don't see why he can't keep that up. I like Rashad Bateman a lot as a player. Loved him in Minnesota. I love his former teammate, Tyler Johnson, also from Minnesota, who's Buried on the depth chart in Tampa Bay. I'm, I'm excited for him to get a chance in a couple of years. But Rashad Bateman is the truth. The question is going to be when they get into the red zone, are they going to run the ball with Dobbins or Gus Edwards? Are they going to run the ball with Lamar Jackson? Are they going to throw the ball to their reliable target that Lamar counts on, which is Mark Andrews? Or are they going to look at a rookie over even Marquise Brown? And Willie Sneed is still around too. So I think Tylen Wallace can maybe take in for Willie Sneed eventually. But Willie Sneed has not been a flashy fantasy guy for years. But he remains to have an NFL job because he's a great quality NFL receiver. Does all the dirty work. Good clubhouse guy. He's a blocker. So he's going to remain on the field and work. Well, I take Rashad well, Bateman over Marquise Brown. Not yet. In Dynasty, I want nothing to do with Marquise Brown. Just personal preference. Um, I think we've seen his ceiling, and I'm not excited about it. So I'm not going to take him at his value. I do like Rashad Bateman in Dynasty Leagues. In redraft, I don't really want either of them because I'm not going to pay up for Marquise Brown. And if I can get the value on Rashad Bateman, I would love to in redraft. But you're talking 12th, 13th round in redraft probably, um, which at that point you're taking shots in the dark anyway. So I like Talon Wallace, and I like Rashad Bateman a lot. It just comes down to if they're going to let Lamar Jackson throw. Yeah, so the thing is this. So I do a couple things. Number one, Willie Sneed's on the Raiders now, so he's gone. Oh, he did move um, on. My bad. My yeah, bad. He's gone. It's Sammy Watkins. Sammy, Sammy Watkins, Watkins is now like okay. a veteran guy, but it's the same concept. I, it's, My bad. You can take his words, just replace Willie Sneed with Sammy Watkins. You're good to go. But the other thing about that, too, is so I look at Greg Roman. I've actually done an opportunity analysis where I've looked at every single drop back for every coordinator since 2013. And Greg Roman has coached a lot of years with the, the Buffalo Bills and the Ravens. There is some room for growth based on his play calling style. They were actually extremely low in dropbacks last year. They actually took a step back 
in dropbacks. Um, so based on that and some of the available targets, there's about 117 or so available opportunities for Rashad Bateman to take without impacting Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. So I think that is good news from that standpoint. Now, moving on to the the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think a lot of people are excited about Jamar Chase, and you should be. I, I, I One of the things I was trying to do is take a look at, you know, how many rookie wide receivers have been able to make an impact year one with, you know, uh, sorry, this is different. Sorry, I, was, I totally messed this up. Never mind. Forget what I was just going to say. Different analysis. I get all confused. Got too many notes. Anyway, so the great thing about this team with Jamar Chase coming in, there's 199 available opportunities based on my analysis. Amazing. From, and that's a great amount of targets. That's including keeping Tyler Boyd and, and the T. Higgins afloat. So you can keep their targets the same. There's 199 new available targets based on my analysis. And I think that's great news for Jamar Chase. My biggest blunder last year with Jeff Jefferson and, and CeeDee Lamb were the fact that I, I didn't like rookies. But what I overlooked was how many opportunities those teams had. Of course, with Stephon Diggs leaving and with the change to Mike McCarthy, there was just an influx of pass volume on those teams and allowed an opportunity for a rookie to emerge. That's how I view the Bengals situation with Jamar Chase. 199 available opportunities with Joe Burrow coming back and their connection from college without impacting CeeDee Lamb, um, Tyler Boyd, and, and T. Higgins. That means that I think Jamar Chase can be an instant impact in the league, of course, on top of his pedigree. The other thing is their offensive line. Of course, Jackson, Carmen, in the second round. I know this is supposed to be a fantasy podcast, but this is really important because they also asked Riley Reeve the right to play right tackle. Now they're start We talked about this earlier with Joe Mixon. I said it's all about the offensive line. It's all about what they do with the offensive line because I truly believe offensive line impacts running backs a lot more than passing games, and for fantasy purposes at least. And I think running backs – Joe Mixon, I'm starting to warm up to him. I've never been an RB1 Joe Mixon guy, but I'm starting to feel that little burn, the sensation that Joe I Mixon it, could man. be the guy. Yeah, I'm I've been on it for three years. <laughs> I think I'm joining because of the moves they made. I mean, now they have some some depth on the interior. They also have the two great bookends at left tackle. I mean, right tackle, Riley Reeves, an average player, but he's stable. And he's going to give him something to work with out there. So I'm a little excited for that. Plus their defense, they hands down lost their best secondary player, William Jackson, and they replaced them with Jacoby Awuzie. So I think the Bengals defense could be blah. Their secondary is going to be meh. And I think that's going to open more opportunities for this Bengals passing offense. So I guess the bigger question I have for you is this. Number one, how high are you drafting CJ Uzama? And number two, the other question is, uh, which one of these guys are you willing to start to uh, take chase immediately over guys like T Higgins and Tyler Boyd in redraft? Uh, yeah. So all redraft conversation. Cause in dynasty you're, you know, right. Well, we'll still redraft. Yeah. Yeah. Chase is going off the board way earlier in, in dynasty. Um, so redraft, uh, CJ Ozama. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> Now, Drew Sample in Dynasty, I might take a look at, but C. Joe Zama might have a chance, if, but he, he's been getting banged up the last couple of years. So we'll leave the Bengals tied into somebody else. Jamar Chase. So in redraft, I'm, I'm still going to go in redraft. I'm going to go, I'm trying to account for perceived value here. I think I'm going to go Higgins, Chase, Boyd. Boyd is going to be the one that's going to fall the most in value. And he's going to be the one that's going to be in like the eighth round or something like that. I right. think he's still going to have 80 receptions minimum. They're going to throw the ball all over the yard. If Joe Burrow's healthy, even with a healthy mix in, they did get Jackson Carmen and uh, who was their second tackle uh, Deontay Smith. 
Um, so they did get some other tackles. So if you're worried about that offensive line, I think you're right with Riley Reef. They should be okay. So um, in redraft, I'm probably still staying T. Higgins. I just think he has that role. And if Jamar Chase comes in and just takes the you know AJ Green targets, there's still a hundred for him. So he's going to be just fine. So I really think that everyone's going to have a position here. They're all going to have their own um, particular roles. I like T. Higgins. I know Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow were besties, but they had a great connection last year with T. Higgins before Joe Burrow went down. I think that carries over this year. And Tyler Boyd is just that seasoned veteran, probably primarily in the slot, and he's he's always a dominant slot receiver. So, honestly, I just want one of the Bengals. It's kind of like I think it's a better version of what we thought the uh, the Cowboys were going to be last year. Amari Cooper yeah. and, and – uh, Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb, you have the rookie coming in, you have the seasoned vet, and you have kind of the other guy. And I really think it's going to be just fine here. Um, and I want one of those options. And then the Bengals and, and Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon are kind of like Dak and Zeke too. So just get one of the pieces of the Bengals, and I think it'll be fine. Yeah, so right now today on MFL 10, best ball ADP, T. Higgins is actually going first at 57, Chase at 60, and Boyd yeah. at 72. So yeah, all within sense. the same range, but it does make sense. Uh, on to the next team, the Cleveland Browns. Now, slowly having a man crushing the Cleveland Browns. I talk about this all the time. One of my favorite passing Dog pound, teams, baby. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do is target teams in the second year of a scheme because that's when they make the biggest leap. And I've proven it. You can go check out my old post from last year. And I did it, I redid it for this year, which I'll share at some point in the next couple of weeks. But it is ridiculous how much of an improvement teams make in their second year. This is going to be the second year with Kevin Stefanski. Now, keep in mind, this is not a team in my opportunity analysis that has any opportunities. They have 32. So that's not great. Um, so when you're looking at rookies coming in, like Anthony Shorts, who is a deep threat, he's going to try to uh, compete with Higgins and and uh, I forget the other guy's name, but they're off the top of my head that I was playing like Hodge. And if they compete with the third receiver role, I'm not seeing too many opportunities, especially because Odell's coming back. Those 32 targets are pretty much going to be gobbled up probably by Odell. And I think that from that perspective, this is when I start looking at this, though, the second year in a system. And I love the correlation between Minnesota and Cleveland. I think Baker Mayfield is going to become a Kirk Cousins type of player for fantasy. Like Kirk right. Cousins last year, you didn't love Kirk Cousins from fantasy. He was a top 12 quarterback, and he was consistently a top 12 quarterback. He was always in that 12 to 15 range. I think that's the natural step for Baker this year. I think he's not going to be uh, you know, the MVP candidate number one through five or anything for fantasy, but I do think he's going to be a consistent low-end QB1, and I think you're going to see Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen become Odell and Jarvis Landry in this offense, and that's how I feel. And then that kind of rotation at tight end that you see with David Njoku, Austin Hooper, um, that could be kind of what the – Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith was the year before. And I see a lot of correlations. This offense returns all five offensive linemen. That's very rare. But they have done some good things on defense, too. They are going to hopefully get Ward back healthy, uh, Greedy Williams healthy. They also drafted a cornerback in the first round. So that's another thing. However, 22 free agents. David Njoku's on the move. That could be something for Harrison Bryant, dynasty owners. And also Nick Chubb. I don't think he's going anywhere, but I think the offensive line starters all coming back. I think that this is going to be a monster year for Nick Chubb. I think he's going to compete. You're going to start seeing him get closer and closer to that Derrick Henry-esque level. Of course, with Kareem Hunt there, he's not going to be there yet, but I still believe in this offense. I think Baker takes the next step. I think Odell is a value this year and Jarvis Landry. 
I love it. And Demetric Felton is a deep name on the Browns here. Drafting the sixth round. He's listed as a wide receiver out of UCLA, but he also played running back, kind of a hybrid guy. We saw Dearness Johnson get some work last year after Chubb went down and Kareem Hunt was in there as well. So just a deeper kind of flyer because if Kareem Hunt moves on next year, I think Chubb's six around at least through his contract, but Kareem Hunt can move on. Dearness Johnson, we'll see what happens with him. But Demetric Felton, a nice little player out of UCLA for Dynasty as well. Um, Swartz, I think, is, is just strictly going to be a burner. You're right. They have Donovan Peoples-Jones, too, out of Michigan, who – Splashed a little bit last year. We'll see what happens with when Odell comes back, though, man. I mean, there was a lot of narratives last year that Baker was quote unquote better without Odell Beckham. I think that's far reaching. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. I think what it is is he's not pressured to th- to throw to Odell kind of no matter what to not get the fucking attitude if he doesn't get his 12 targets a game. He was able to dink and dunk to the open guy. And we saw Baker Mayfield's efficiency skyrocket in regards to where he had been uh, in the first half of the year once Odell went down. So I love what Stefanski's doing. Run first, play action. We see the Titans doing it best in the game. The Ravens do it. The 49ers do it. The Browns are doing it. Those teams in the NFL that do that and do that well are very successful. And we, I think the Browns are real. And I've been I've been kind of you know tooting the Browns horn. I've been saying they're my AFC Niners. And uh, I'm feeling it. So I, I do – believe in the Browns this year. I think they're going to be just fine. And again, there's a lot of mouths to feed. Landry's just kind of that dark horse, pick him in the 10th and be happy with his, you know, 12 points a week guys. But I'm kind of liking Baker Mayfield to be back in that, you know, sleeper category almost um, or post hype sleeper uh, in rookie uh, or in a, in a redraft because last year, two years ago, he blew up, right? Set all the records that Herbert then broke. And then I drafted him number six as my QB six. I had him everywhere, and he more or less busted because of the hype we had for him. Odell went down. Well, now you're not worried about that. So you get Baker as your you know 15th quarterback in the 12th round or something like that, or your 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 QB two even. I think he has top 10 upside. And you're like you said, if he's Kirk Cousins, it's not gonna he's not gonna win you weeks. But like Ryan Tannehill, he's not going to lose them for you either, and he could have some big games. So I like that play a lot. So how do you feel about Odell Beckham? Is right now his ADP is sixty nine. Uh, are you willing to? I know we're not. We're we're Steel. kind of. Yeah, I think he might be. He's finally being drafted where he should be. That's how I feel about it. Um, and I think that he's still twenty eight years old. And yeah. you know, I we, we're going to talk in the future about this too, but. I did an age analysis on wide receivers, and here's plenty of time for Odell to still be very good. So I think he could even be a dynasty buy because this is probably the lowest his, his value has been in years. I, I totally agree. In dynasty, I think he's even lower in perceived value just because you're like, ah, you know, is he going to stay on the Browns? Is he is he going to hold up uh, injury-wise? In redraft, I think it's like, look, dude, you draft him in the, what, sixth, seventh round now? You used to have to draft him top 10, top 15. Oh, yeah. In the second, third round, and now you're getting him in the six, where what he's your wide receiver three, wide receiver four, if you're going zero RB. So look, if he doesn't pan out, you cut him like you would anybody else. And like, yeah, it's it's kind of a sting, but whatever. Um, it's not gonna hurt as bad as it used to. But look, if he's Odell Beck and you're getting 18, 23 points a week from OBJ as your wide receiver three or your second flex. I mean, straight up, if he gives you 12 to 15 games, that's league winner material in those middle rounds. I'm all over that, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm going to move on to my last team. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And 
you know, they're kind of running it back. I think Juju coming back was kind of a surprise, but from a strict from a strict draft standpoint, they did they pretty much made their focus on offense because their defense is now their primary their best side of the ball. So Najee Harris coming in the first round, Pat Firemuth the tight end in the second, and then Kendrick Green in the third at offensive line. Now they have a new offensive coordinator. It's Matt Canada. He was their QB coach last year. This guy has been an offensive coordinator for like every team in, in college. It's he's been for for 20 plus years. I mean, it was nuts. I've never seen a, an offensive coordinator be one year coordinator every single year. Matt Canada's like this team one year, this team one year. It was nuts. So it's going to be interesting with this guy, but his main focus is the run game. He's been a run game guy from his days back there. He actually coached Anthony McFarlane, but obviously that does not matter anymore because they have Najee Harris. The other thing I think is interesting is the crumbling of the offensive line. Now I understand I've talked about this a lot, but the, they lost three starters from last year, arguably their three best starters in right tackle, uh, left tackle, Andre Villanueva. They lost their left guard, Matt Filer, and then they lost their center, Marquise Pouncey. So basically center to left is gone. And they replaced them with rookies, rookie third rounder. They have uh, Dotson from last year, the fourth round pick. Uh, it's not – they didn't bring in any notable free agents. This worries me, and I, and I talk about this a lot. So – when I think round games really do matter for offensive lines. I think Kendrick Green is a nice that they pick the third round pick, but how many third round guards and centers truly make it? I don't have the analysis on that. I'm sure somebody does. If you do, hit me up at FFX Factor on Twitter. Anyway, but my point is like all that loss is going to be impactful. So I did take a look at this from a Najee Harris perspective. Because where is Harris going to go? Like, let me ask you quick where, what RB are you taking Najee Harris currently? Um, right now in redraft, I think he's be probably around the 15 range for now, but it's still a lot to break down. Yeah, exactly. He's going in best ball ADP He's going at the one, two turn. So you have to invest a top 15 pick in this guy. And I think that's realistic, obviously because of the volume, but something I want to keep in mind last year, James Connor behind those offense, this bad offensive line was dead last in adjusted line yards. Now, keep in mind, they were dead last last year, and they lost three of their starters, which could be good or bad, or whoever you want to say, but they have not invested a lot of high-capital talent in the line. You know, from weeks 2 to 11, I carve out, because remember, James Conner had a disastrous week one, so I didn't want to drain his value anymore, but he had 13.2 points per game from that little stretch. He was RB18. That's kind of how I view Najee Harris. Like, I think he's going to be in that 15 to 20 range consistently because of his pure volume, but I am concerned. The good news is they do get Zach Banner back on the on the line, and they also invested that third round pick. So I do think, from a draft perspective, it's good to see they're investing in the offensive side. But 2022 is looming. You have Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Eric Ebron, Ben Roethlisberger, all becoming free agents. I think Najee Harris is someone that, for a dynasty perspective, is a little bit of a question mark. Maybe not so locked in as a top five pick as he as everyone thinks he should be. But I guess here's my question for you, Sky. We have. Juju coming back right now today, half point PPR. Where are you ranking the Steelers receivers and will you be taking them at their ADPs? Uh, redraft, go Johnson, Claypool, Juju. Okay. So Johnson right now is going at 47 ADP. Is that a good spot for him? Uh, sure. Yeah. And then Juju's at 71. So are you feeling Deontay Johnson at 47 or Juju at 71? Um, Juju's saying that he's going to play some outside receiver this year, which I just don't buy. Yeah. Um, if that happens, that might take away a little bit from Claypool and, and Johnson. Um, I don't know, man. I like Juju a lot as a, 
person and I'm rooting for him there. But last year was a little bit stingy, and I'm not sure we're going to get the 2017-18 Juju that was with Antonio Brown, who's just like the next Antonio Brown. That's just not going to happen. So I'll probably either go Johnson or wait a little bit and go Claypool. I might just skip Juju altogether, to be honest. I think Big Ben's, you know, looming free agency does cloud some things, but I think Deontay Johnson showed us last year that he was in that Antonio Brown role. I think he, you know, he was getting force-fed targets. Yeah. And he, he dealt with some drops, but at the same time, like, I love that. And the biggest thing for me for Chase Claypool is it's kind of an interesting little bubble here for dynasty purposes because James Washington and Juju are free agents next year. If they both leave, that's going to clear things up a little bit, even Eric Ebron leaving. I guess the only question mark is, does Dwayne Haskins become what he is supposed to first round pedigree? Does he get it together? And is he the future? We'll find out. But uh, that's pretty much all I got for the AFC North. Scott, I'll kick it over to you for the NFC North. Yeah, I love it. And again, Najee Harris, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And really, I think it's based on the volume. And he can catch the catch passes. I know the offensive line is beat up. A lot of people are concerned about the offensive line. The reality is, you know, David, uh, uh, sorry, David Montgomery didn't run behind a great offensive line last year. James Robinson didn't run behind a great offensive line last year. Uh, both those guys were top five um, because of the opportunity, the pass catching, enough touchdowns. And I think overall the Steelers' offense will be better than the Jags and the Bears were last year. And I think running back as an individual is going to be better than David Montgomery or James Robinson uh, in Najee Harris. So I do like him. I do trust him. I know it's risky, but I am going to uh, go with Najee Harris, no problem. All right, Bobby, I'm going to take a quick break and give a shout-out to our friends at the Jersey Jungle, and then we are going to get into the NFC North. So if you're on YouTube, you get the flag here. Shouts out to Jersey Jungle. Go to Jersey Jungle. Check them out on Instagram. DM them at the Jersey Jungle. You can use the promo code TCK to receive 10 to 15% off of one to three jerseys. These are game authentic jerseys, NFL jerseys, Major League Baseball, soccer, hockey, basketball. They have custom jerseys, road jerseys, uh, throwback jerseys. I have two behind me here. You can see I have Frank Gore. I'll put him in a big box here. Boom. Frank Gore over here on my right side, and then I have on my left my boy Devontae Adams. You see my other two jerseys. Last week I had Julio Jones and I had um, Larry Fitzgerald. I've got my uh, Justin Herbert. I've got a couple more coming. Love the jerseys from the Jersey Jungle. These are 65 bucks at cost before the promo code. Put the promo code in, get another 10 to $15 off, about 120 at NFL.com, so you're already getting a discount there. Shouts out to the Jersey Jungle. Make sure you go check them out. My boy Trenton will take care of you. D-mail on the Jersey Jungle at the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. Use the promo code TCKPOD. Uh, Bobby, one jersey from the AFC North. Who are you getting? Great question, man. Um, let's go. Let's go, Chase. I like. The, I like. I, I'm feeling this kid. I think he. I think he's going to be a big hit. So I'm going to go Chase. Jamar Get Chase. Well yeah, I love it. I uh, big fan of Nick Chubb. I'm a huge fan of Nick Chubb. I have not got a, a Browns jersey yet. I got the hat, but I do not have a Browns jersey yet. I will probably invest in my boy Nicky Chubbs. All right, let's go on to the NFC North here. So I'm going to start with the Bears here. They make it one of the bigger moves in the draft. The uncertainty of number three with the Niners and Trey Lance and all that, but they had moved up early. We knew they were moving up. The Bears make a big move here from 20 to 11, and they get Justin Fields. Um, 
A, great value. B, great move by the Chicago Bears, knowing they need a quarterback. He, Fields was falling and falling and falling. A lot of people thought he might go through. He falls past them. He falls past Denver. He falls past Carolina. Falls past a number of teams that could have used another quarterback. He's sitting up there on the board outside the top 10. They jump up to a number 11. They get Justin Fields. I know our boy Dweez is stoked on this as the house Bears fan. We'll get his comments on that later on. Um, but I love this long term. Week one, I, I would not be shocked to Andy Dalton. They bring in Andy Dalton. And say what you want about Andy Dalton. He is definitely, you know, Joe Flacco has extended his career about eight years longer than I think anybody thought it was going to be because he's a good professional quarterback. He's a solid player. He's not going to, you know, win games by himself anymore. He's not going to win you much in fantasy, but he's a solid quarterback that doesn't make a lot of mistakes in the NFL and teams can rely on them while in transition. Andy Dalton did a fine job for the Cowboys last year, stepping in for Dak. Obviously that offense plummeted, but outside of his injury weeks, Andy Dalton actually played quite well. Let's not forget he was a top, you know, 15 quarterback in fantasy nearly every season that AJ Green was healthy for the Bengals a decade ago. So keep an eye on that for Andy Dalton there. Um, throwing it back a little term. Love him. Obviously, in dynasty leagues and redraft, you're going to have to probably reach because people are going to be excited about him. But I think he could potentially be the Justin Herbert this year where he doesn't play week one, week two, week three. But as soon as he gets in the lineup, I think that's going to amplify the Bears offense, Allen Robinson, uh, Darnell Mooney, the rest of these guys, Cole Komet, uh, the running backs, gets a boost. The energy the city gets a boost. The Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer, which is unbelievable considering what the NFL is these days and the way that Jay Cutler used to sling it. So I'm excited for Justin Fields. Not much to say about him. Otherwise, they also get Khalil Herbert out of or Herbert, excuse me, out of Virginia Tech and Daz Newsom out of North Carolina. Again, two kind of auxiliary pieces in the sixth rounder running back and wide receiver. They're good at wide receiver. They could use some depth depth. They're good with um David Montgomery. Tariq Cohen comes back this year. Um, you know, shouts out to him and, and his family. Uh just lost his twin brother, unfortunately. So blessings out to uh, Tariq Cohen. Um but I think they're going to be just fine. And they also brought in Damian Williams, who people forget about because he opted out last year for the Chiefs. They bring in Damian Williams, who, in my opinion, should have won the Super Bowl MVP against my Niners. And uh, they're going to be just fine on offense there. So the Bears, I think, are retooling. They're going to come in with Andy Dalton probably first. Um, they still have Nick Foles as well, but they got to just eat his contract. But Nick Foles is trash, has been for a while. So I like Justin Fields a lot long-term, not really uh, – uh, mention of of uh, Herbert or Newsom, but uh, shouts out to the big man Tevin Jenkins up front out of Oklahoma State, second round pick, arguably one of you know one of the top three best linemen, and the Bears get him in the second round. So first two picks were absolutely fantastic. Uh, any thoughts here on Chicago? Okay, remember earlier when I was talking about the Bengals and I started talking about this thing. Well, this is what it's about. All right, yeah. so it's actually about how well number one wide receivers have done with a rookie quarterback. So I just took a look over the last two seasons. And surprisingly not bad. So Keenan Allen is a good example of this with Justin Herbert. He went from 13.1 points per game to 14.1 points per game. Then you have the downside, like Devontae Parker, who went from Ryan Fitzpatrick 13.1 to 9.6. But Tyler Boyd, for example, 11.3 his last year with Dalton. Then he went up to 12.7 in the games that Burrow played. So I think that there is some mixed results, but it still gave me confidence in a guy like Allen Robinson that he's going to be able to perform with a rookie because we have kind of see, I was actually going into this with a different mindset, but when I actually saw the numbers, I'm like, okay, there's room for optimism there that Allen Robinson can improve with a rookie quarterback. The thing I like the most 
about the Justin Fields pick and Andy Dalton being there is Andy Dalton is a league. He's like a below average starter, but he's startable. So my biggest thought process is if, if Fields is a disaster and he's getting outplayed by Dalton, that's a good barometer to know if he's ready or not. I think Dalton is like the bare bones starter. So I think if he's better than Dalton, great. If he's not, then he's probably not be able to start. So I think I like that aspect. The other thing too is um, some things are going on up front. They did uh, replace, they let go of Leno and they brought in the kid, Tevin, Tevin Jenkins, which, you know, hopefully he's good. I heard this kid seems like a monster. He has a good mindset. I love seems him, like a, yeah. So I think that him coming in, replacing Leno, Leno did play well last year. So some movement up there. They're also getting James Daniel back, their guard. Um, they are having some changes on defense. So uh, they actually promoted one of their guys, Shane Desi. So I think that could be, I don't know if Chuck Pagano was really doing it for them, but he's a big fan of the new guy. Coaching their Vic Fangio for five years. So bringing back that scheme might be good for Chicago. And finally, though, the 2022 free agents, Allen Robinson, Jimmy Graham, Anthony Miller. So I think Allen Robinson's obviously someone they're not going to let go. He'll probably get signed long-term, hopefully. But I think that's notable for guys like Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney. I think Cole Komet, to me, is someone that every single year you see a second-year breakout. So the fact that they didn't go out and invest a lot in the weaponry for Chicago means that if they let Jimmy Graham as a post-June one cut, I think Cole Komet could be a serious – it could be this year's TJ Hawkinson. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, but overall, I think I'm looking forward to Justin Fields as well. I love it. I love it. I, I'm really excited for the Bears to take a step that they've been waiting for for a real long time. And, again, somehow they just haven't been able to do it. we got a question here. Ryan Mulligan. What's up, Ryan? Great to hear from you, brother. Shouts out to you and the family. Uh, high school football teammate here, Bobby. Great dude. Uh, big Buccaneers fan. Mike Allstott, uh, 49er guy. Great, great guy. You guys think Allen Robinson going to uh, be staying in the NFC North? That Bortles pick was odd. Blake Bortles coming up with the uh, Packers here. We'll see what happens with Rodgers. Um, he's on the franchise tag. Allen Robinson stick around at least this year. Bobby, quick thoughts. Here, my thoughts are: if Fields can take off, and if Robinson and Fields can click, and Robinson remains, you know, top tier, he's one of the you know top ten at least talented wide receivers in the NFL, um, and he's put up wide receiver one numbers in fantasy football as long as he's healthy. I think they keep him around. I think Allen Robinson's issue coming into this year was that they're not giving him better assets to throw him the ball. If Fields can be that guy, Allen Robinson's healthy. He's still young enough, only twenty eight, I believe. They can move forward with him. I think he stays in Chicago if Fields proves to be that guy and Robinson can keep his numbers up. If not, I don't know that he would go anywhere else in the NFC North. So if he's not on Chicago, I do think he would lead the division. I think A-Rod meant Aaron Rodgers. Oh, A-Rod. I read it as A-Rob, <laughs> Alan, Alan Robinson. I was confused. I was like, wait, what? Well, then, uh, yeah. uh, sorry, A-Rod, A-Rob. My bad, Alan Rob. We were just talking about Alan Robinson. Um, Aaron Rodgers, he's saving the North. Honestly, at this point, I do think he comes back to the Packers. Uh, if he leaves, I think it's basically the Broncos are bust at this point. From what I'm understanding, uh, I, I co-host a show with Ryan Lee, and he's got some insider knowledge on his side. And um, people in his ear are basically telling him that he's either coming back to Green Bay, uh, they're going to mend the fences, whatever, with Brian Gutekunst or GM, or he's going to leave town. If he leaves town, the team that makes sense at this point is Denver, although I've been making a push for the Washington football team. I think he would crush sure, with the sure. Washington football team, just that defense, the weapons. Bobby doesn't want that because he's got the Giants team, but Washington and, football and, team with Aaron yeah. Rodgers would be great. So well, um, I, 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 I do think he stays. Too. I think the Raiders would be good. I, I think I think that the, I think my my little nugget about Derek Carr and being former team is keeping Devontae Adams happy 
if they lose him, at least he got his boy from college. I think that makes some sense. But I, I think Denver. I mean, could you imagine Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ yeah. Hamler, no, and their I mean, defense. Not, that's the Forget thing. Here, here's the thing, man. And we're going to, we're going to digress on this too much, which I don't want to do right now. And actually, you know what? Let me just segue into the Packers. How about that? I'm going to segue <laughs> into the Packers and we'll get going. We'll talk a little bit more Aaron Rodgers. Ryan, great to hear from you, brother. Thank you for tuning in. Um, okay. So Packers, let's talk a uh, fantasy really quick. Amari Rodgers. So once again, they do not pick a wide receiver in the first or the second round. The only skill position player they've picked in the last decade in the first round, Jordan Love, of course. Uh, Amari Rogers, great wide receiver out of Clemson, played with uh, 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 Jordan Jordan Lance, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Sorry, I had Trevor Jordan or something in my mind. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, so great player. Um, we love the the history and lineage of Clemson wide receivers dating all the way back. I mentioned them all the time: Nuke and Sammy Watkins and Hunter Renfro and and plenty of them that I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting right now. I like Amari Rogers a lot. Third round pick. Obviously, Devontae Adams is there. Look, if Rodgers is there, Amari Rodgers is a great flash for Dynasty, and he's going to find a role. Marcus Valdez-Scantling has ups and downs. Um, uh, Alan Lazard has been in and out with injuries, and Robert Tunyon exploded last year with 11 touchdowns, but only had like 60 targets or something. So I do believe that Amari Rodgers is going to be a nice value pick if Rodgers sticks around. Back to this really quick. The Raiders don't make any sense to me for two reasons. First of all, the Raiders are they're a bad football team. <laughs> they're a bad football team. They don't have a lot of weapons around them. Aaron Rodgers can make a lot of people great, but they don't have great weapons that he's coming into. I don't think Aaron Rodgers and, and John Gruden seem like two alpha males that are not going to fucking cohesively get together. I just maybe one year just to do it after that, I could see it getting ugly. Also, he has to get through not only Mahomes, obviously. But the Broncos are going to be at least a competitive team, and Justin Herbert and the Chargers are going to be a competitive team as well. So the Raiders make zero sense to me. The only reason he would go there is because he's from Chico and he wants to go back to the Bay, and the Niners can't have him anymore. Okay, Raiders make no sense. Washington football team makes a lot of sense to me, but they're not going to make that move either, and therefore it leaves us the Broncos in the same division potentially as Patrick Mahomes but a much better squad, a young, solid defense, a secondary that's gotten better to compete with the deep threats of Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. And I think he's going to have a nice running game to compliment uh, uh, Melvin Gordon. And I just, I just don't see him being, if it's not for an immediate contender, the Raiders are not that team. If Washington is not in that team either, Denver, I think he can make an immediate contender. He's got to go through Mahomes twice but Aaron Rodgers is going to want to beat the best to be the best. And wouldn't that be fun to see Rodgers and Herbert and Rodgers and um, uh, Patrick Mahomes twice a year? Yeah, I, I would like that. I mean, listen, so when I'm the, the Green Bay Packers, surprisingly, I got to double check this. I apologize because this is this seems weird. OK, that's that was wrong. OK, they have 90 available targets in my opportunity analysis. It's 293 in my spreadsheet. I was like, that doesn't make sense. It's nice. <laughs> nice. So, so right there, it's like, OK, we have Devontae Adams dominating targets. Robert Tunney continuing. So when I look at that for a rookie coming in, 90 targets is not bad. He can come in without taking away from Alan Lazard or MVS. They can continue their roles. The biggest thing, too, about Amari Rogers is that everybody's a free agent next year. When I mean everybody. Everybody, Devontae Adams, NBS, Alan Lazard, Robert Tanyan. 
So there could easily be – they're not going to resign all those guys. So I think Amari Rodgers long-term is in a great spot to be a consistent starter. The problem is the hit rate on third-round rookie wide receivers over the last 10 years is 20%. So that's averaging nine points per game and half-point PPR for their career. So it's a very low hit rate. So it is a little bit of a red flag, but it's better than most, right? So I think there is some draft capital there to have some investment. I do think there's some available opportunities for a guy like Amari Rodgers year one to become kind of a you know, fringe flex a- asset at some point. But what I do like is they lost Corey Lindsley, the, the stud center, but they replaced him right away with Josh Myers. Continue to invest in that offensive line. You got to have all the weapons to go with Aaron Rodgers and this, uh, with that too. They also invested a first-round pick in the cornerback, which I always talk about him. If that kid's any good with Jair Alexander on the other side, that's going to be notable for the uh, division guys like Allen Robinson, who will have to face a great duo every single year, twice a year. Yeah, Packers, I mean, again, so much of this just comes down to Rodgers. If they can make it right, great. If they can't, then the Packers, you know, and and here's the deal. The the GM came out and basically said that he thinks, you know, he thinks uh, Jordan Love has a long way to go. That could be coaches speak to be like, Rodgers is our guy no matter what. But I heard an interesting stat the other day that, you know, a couple years ago when Deshaun Kaiser had to step in for Aaron Rodgers when he got injured, um, Devontae Adams was still on pace for 90 receptions, 1,100 yards, and about eight touchdowns. It's not Devontae Adams, but that's what – I mean, that's Allen Robinson, right? That's that's wide receiver 12 maybe. So I don't think Devontae Adams would fall off a cliff, but I'm he's going to be a second, third-round pick for and I'm just not going to find him there because people are not drafting ball or they're going to die because he's Devontae Adams. We saw it last year with Michael Thomas – and he got hurt, obviously, but we'll see what happens bouncing back. So the Packers, a lot of question marks there, of course. Okay, let me jump into the Lions here really quick. Um, not fantasy relevant, but their big pick. Panay Sewell, number seven overall out of Oregon, falls past Cincinnati, falls past Miami, and uh, Detroit really just kind of gets a, a golden egg there at number seven. I think they would have gone elsewhere if Panay Sewell was – well, if Panay Sewell was picked, they obviously go elsewhere. But I don't think they would have gone another uh, tackle – um, but he fell into them with value, so they took it. Uh, Almond Ross St. Brown coming out of um, uh, USC wide receiver in the fourth round, and Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State in the seventh round. So deeper names, uh, two Pac-12 guys that I watch pretty closely. First of all, Almond Ross St. Brown is the truth. Um, I think there's immediate comparisons with him and Jared Goff out of the slot and potentially being the Cooper Cup, if you will, to Jared Goff over in Detroit now. I like that a lot. Quintez Cephas, Brashad Perryman um, are kind of the only you know guys there. Um, I'm sure there's another name I'm forgetting, but really I think Amon Ross St. Brown, even as a fourth rounder, is a multifaceted receiver. He can play all positions at wide receiver. He can play the slot. He can play outside. He's He can be a burner enough. He can be a possession guy, bigger body. I like uh, Amon Ross St. Brown a lot. He's got quite a bit of hype in the dynasty realm too, and he's falling a lot just because he's A, a fourth-round pick, B, not a lot of people pay attention to the USC these days, and C, the Lions are the Lions, Jared Goff. So um, I do think he's a value pick that I like in – Dynasty leagues and redraft, I'm probably fading just because you don't know what's going to happen this year. But in dynasty, I think he's a good like fourth round pick that you could find there for Almond Ross St. Brown. And the seventh rounder, Jamar Jefferson, look, I mean, he, he was almost undrafted, uh, but the kid was awesome at Oregon State. Unfortunately, ran all over my ducks. If you Google Jamar Jefferson highlights or film, I promise you what you're going to see is you're going to see a video of him running all over my ducks. 
which were a packed, you know, top of defense. They had mul- they had four starters, I believe, on on um, defense that eventually went pro. Um, great defensive line, and Jamar Jefferson ripped us up a few times. He was Pac-12 running back of the year two years in a row. He got you know uh, Pac-12 rookie of the year, freshman of the year coming in. So Jamar Jefferson can get it done, and basically, Carry on Johnson leaves. So he steps into the number three right away. If Jamal Williams gets a hiccup or he gets injured, he could be number two. And if DeAndre Swift goes down as well, he can also hop in there. So I think Jamar Jefferson, again, another deep sleeper name here, probably not in redraft, but in dynasty, keep an eye on Jamar Jefferson, who might just be a stash for a year or two. But if he's, you know, Bart's, uh, Bart Scott, if he's um, Boston Scott or, um, you know, Gio Bernard or Gus Edwards, one of these guys who's kind of just a mix of pace guy. But if the top guy goes down and he's second in line, I think he could absolutely do work here. So I'm on Ross St. Brown and Jamar Jefferson out of uh, the Pac-12 USC and Oregon State. Any extra thoughts on the Lions here? Well, you were you hit on the head with uh, with Jared Goff. He actually, in 2019, the slot first wide analysis by Football Outsiders, 78% of his, tar- his attempts went to the slot. Unbelievable. So, Whoever's living there is going to – I think that's why I love TJ Hawkinson so much too, but that's just another reminder. I think my biggest takeaway of this, this team has 293 opportunities. That's the top of my analysis. They have basically a wide-open competition. That's with TJ Hawkinson still on there getting his 100 targets. I think he has more room for growth to be even bigger uh, factor in this. We've seen Anthony Lynn's offenses with Charles Clay was pretty featured. He also saw Hunter Henry, so I think that's why I took away. But Amonte Brown – I will say this. I, when, in my analysis I did over the last 10 years, only 4% of round four running back uh, wide receivers became consistent fantasy contributors through their career. So I think that's something that's a little – it's against the odds for day three picks to really advance. But if it's going to happen, it's going to be in a situation – he's a name you have to monitor in camp reports because if he's taking over that role – I'm actually kind of interested in Quintez Cephas too. Yeah, I, I think too. whoever wins that inside job role because – Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman are both on one-year deals. And who knows what Tyrell Williams is at this point. We haven't seen him in God knows how long. So if he does not return and if those guys are on the field, listen, Jared Goff's going to have to throw to somebody. Most of this game's about opportunities, and there's no team with more of them than the Detroit Lions. So I think with Anthony Lynn coming in and this new coaching staff, really I think it's just wide open for the number two. I would say T.J. Hawkins won, but the number two target, it's wide open right now. Tyrell Williams, Tyrell Williams was the other name I was looking for. Thank you. And he hasn't played in quite a while. He got injured with San Diego and the Chargers a while back, but then uh, the Raiders as well. Interesting note, though, that Anthony Lynn, you know, coached uh, coached him with the Chargers and Antoine Randall, fantastic wide receiver for the Steelers back in the day, um, is on that offensive staff as well. So he's the wide receivers coach. For the Lions, and uh, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is a similar type wide receiver to uh, Antoine Randall. So it'll be interesting to see how he coaches him up there, too. Okay, let's go to the Vikings here, and we'll take another quick break and then get into just a couple minutes of scheduled discussion here. So for the Vikings, Christian Derrissaw, the tackle out of Virginia Tech, huge pick again. I know Dweez was stoked on Justin Fields, of course, but Derrissaw, I think, was going to be their pick if they didn't go Fields there. Kellen Mond kind of my sleeper of this entire quarterback draft class. Unless Kirk Cousins gets hurt, you're not going to even hear from Lamond for two to three years. Kirk Cousins has two more years on his deal. He can't be franchise tagged because he was franchise tagged twice with the Washington football team, so they have to pay him or get rid of him. 
Kirk Cousins is good. He's not great, and he's not going to garner the money that he thinks he deserves because they already overpaid for him once. They're not going to pay him. They're going to get rid of him. He's going to become a free agent. Somebody else can pay that kind of coin. But Kellen Mond is a name in, in, in dynasty leagues to keep an eye on. So figure there. The Vikings had deeper, deeper names that really I don't think are going to have any relevance. I don't have much to say about the Vikings, although I think it's it's good for Adam Thielen um, getting long in the tooth and in redraft. I'm still okay with Adam Thielen in third, fourth round. Probably while he's healthy, he's very productive. He's a red zone target. He's a PPR monster. And for now, I think he's still 1A to Jefferson's 1B with Kirk Cousins. Uh, next year, I think that'll all change. In Dynasty, obviously, it's Justin Jefferson over Thielen. But with them not bringing in another high-profile wide receiver in this draft, um, and they had 11 picks uh, tied for the most in the NFC. So in 11 picks, they did not bring in another high-profile wide receiver. They didn't draft another wide receiver until the fifth round um, out of Iowa. So like Adam Thielen still, love Justin Jefferson, of course. Irv Smith is going to be the one, though. Kyle, uh, Kyle Rudolph moving on uh, to your Giants. I like Irv Smith a lot. And, of course, the offense runs through Dalvin Cook here. So, again, another kind of a, sne- a sneaky – deeper quarterback if you're streaming quarterbacks keep an eye on Kirk Cousins constantly if you're looking at you know super flex or uh, dynasty just deep rosters Kirk Cousins is a name that nobody likes to draft he's not sexy uh, but he gets the job done he could put up 20 points for you every single week with the occasional 30-35 yeah I like how they kept Kubiak's son in as the OC for now I mean I know uh I know Dweez had a couple comments about Kubiak, but we'll see how that goes. I like the continuity for that offense because Kirk Cousins is an established veteran. He doesn't need that much coaching up. When you get to that age, you could probably run the offense just as good as your coordinator. So at least if they keep the same system, same verbiage, same terminology, they're not learning anything new. I like that to be able to grow. So from the draft perspective, they have invested in their offensive line. If this Dershaw kid is as good as everyone say he is, that just makes everything better because now they have so much. Now they have Davis's depth as well. I personally, I've been, I've been a huge proponent of offensive lines for the correlation to running back success. Dalvin Cook is a rock. I mean, if it wasn't for Christian McCaffrey being a complete psychopath, I would put him <laughs> as my RB one. Um, yeah. But it's he's a top two lock. He's just it's insane. But I also think that this team only has fifty seven available opportunities with uh, Kyle Rudolph leaving. But Irv Smith is someone that. Yes, Tyler Conklin did split work with him last year, so it's going to cap his upside. A very, I think Herb Smith is this year's Johnu Smith. Well, smaller pass volume, he's going to get a lot of work in the red zone, but he's going to have – Tyler Conklin is going to be the Anthony Ferkser and be a little bit of a thorn in the side. So I do think he's still going to be a low-end tight end one in this offense because of the scheme that Gary Kubiak and his son um, Clint Kubiak is going to be running. But overall, the improvements in the line. But the other thing I will I will say this. You can talk to you more about Kirk Cousins. He was top 10 in touchdowns and yards. Yeah. He was second in the NFL in yards per attempt last year. I mean, you know, he's, he's pretty good. I mean, he's not he's not bad. I think, yes, he's not worth Patrick Mahomes or Dak Prescott money. But, you know, good quarterbacks don't grow on trees. So I don't think that they're going to find much options out there uh, next year. That being said, they did make some uh, – they brought over Patrick Peterson and – the reason why I bring that up is because Patrick Peterson, even though he's a little bit older, we talk about getting long in the tooth, he's a notable shutdown corner. And he's been – he shut down guys like DK Metcalf last year. And if he can be – they've been missing – that defense has been missing that Xavier Rhodes from a couple of years ago. They haven't found a guy since. Patrick Peterson, for at least the next couple of seasons, 
He's going to be a thorn in the side of Allen Robinson and Devontae. I mean, Adams is a different level. I totally get that. But he's going to be a thorn in the side of those guys. So I think that's just something that's a little bit notable. Getting a, a true kind of shutdown shadow corner in this division is just another little nugget. But I think the biggest takeaway here is no new offensive skill players. So I think you can definitely roll with Jefferson, roll with Thielen, and roll with Irv Smith this year. Yeah, I think that's a great call. And we'll see, man. This If Aaron Rodgers does leave this division, it is wide open. And I don't yet give the Lions much of a shot this year, but the Bears and Vikings, I think, are really going to be a toss-up depending on how they can look in the in the revamp. All right, man. Quick shout out to Bomb Banana. And then we're gonna we're gonna kind of just kind of preview. We're gonna preview a little bit. We're gonna tease some of our um schedule stuff. We're we're running a little bit low here in the episode, so we're gonna kind of just tease it, put a pin in it, and we'll come back and feature that. But before we do, let's give a shout out to our friends at Bomb Banana. I want to give a shout out to Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, a new sponsor of the podcast. Promo code TCKPod for 10% off of your order. Bomb banana hot sauce, banana-based hot sauce, not flavored. Go to seekthespice.com. Check out bomb banana hot sauce. Absolutely fantastic. I show it to you every episode. If you're on YouTube, you can see it here. Let me get in focus for you. Sorry, bomb banana. You got the red version, which is a little bit more spicy. That's muy muy. You have the white version here. Boom. Try to get in focus for you. Sorry. My camera there, white version, a little bit more, you know, less heat. A little, you got the extra flavor there. Absolutely delicious. They just had a shout out in Forbes magazine. That's right, folks. The Forbes magazine got a shout out from Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Look, Bomb Banana was created by four roommates at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Shouts out to the Wolverines. Go blue. And they put together this delicious hot sauce. Again, you got the muy muy and you got the white label which is a little bit less heat go to seekthespice.com here and you can check out 10% off of your order for the new sponsor bomb banana banana based hot sauce not flavored once again seekthespice.com okay bobby let's get into let's get into just a couple notes of the schedule so the nfl schedule was dropped i'm going to kick it off here really quickly i'm just going to kind of preview some of the easiest uh quote unquote easiest strength of schedule. Now I know some of people just believe that's complete horseshit. Our good brother over at the commission FFP, Chris Benavides, and I have had two episodes basically arguing about the value of strength of schedule, more or less. Uh, I value it. He thinks it's bullshit. And I think it's somewhere in between, but this is straight up according to numbers. Okay. So the NFL schedule drops a couple days ago. We saw week one leaked pretty early. The rest of the, uh, Schedule comes out, and we're going to preview all of our fantasy for December, but we're just going to tease it right now. So the five toughest schedules coming into week one as the teams sit right now, based on last year's opponent combined winning percentage, the Steelers have the worst um, schedule. So the toughest schedule, their opponents won almost 60% of their games. The Ravens right behind them makes sense. Same division, of course. Right behind them, 56% of their games, their opponents won. The Bears at number three, 55%. The Packers, 54 If Aaron Rodgers is not there and the Packers have the fourth toughest strength of schedule, that's tough news in Green Bay. And then the Vikings, of course, at 53%. So the AFC North and the NFC North that we just talked about have the toughest schedules in the NFL. Conversely, we go to the easiest schedule. 
the easiest schedule per last year's combined winning percentage, the Philadelphia Eagles. Their opponents from last year coming into this year, 117 and 155, only 43% winning percentage. The Cowboys, 45%. That's good for Dak coming back. The Falcons looking to have a rebound season. They haven't really matched 2016's magic yet. We'll see if we can get that five years later. 45%. The Buccaneers coming off of a championship. Brady gets a nice cush schedule, 126, 145, and 1 at 46.5%. And the Dolphins and the Broncos tied at the fifth easiest schedule at 47%. So keep an eye on those teams. Every other team is kind of in the mix. Bobby, why don't you tease it here really quick with just a couple of names, a couple of players maybe, maybe a couple of positions. Some teams, if you've looked at the first couple of games of the season, yeah. Some players you're looking forward to drafting because of the schedule and maybe some players that you're looking to avoid because of the schedule. And again, this is redraft focus and dynasty. We're looking long-term, so we don't really care about that necessarily. You're looking to redraft here. Give me a couple of names, Bobby, that jumped off the page here when the schedule came out for you. Well, first off, you know, one of the things I like to look at too is the, a lot of people now are doing Vegas 21 projected win totals and using that for strength of schedule. I thought that was really cool. Your, your San Francisco 49ers actually have the easiest schedule based on Vegas win total. So that could be Yo, something I wanna, that helps you sway. I want to give a quick I want to give a quick shout out uh to Cynthia Freeland. She's come on uh NFL network analyst. She's fucking incredible with her mathematics and her breakdowns and everything with analytics. Cynthia Freeland Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network has come on Ryan D. Leaf show uh, a couple of times. She's coming on Monday, actually. Check us out, 1230 to 1:30 Pacific Standard Time. You can check us out with Cynthia Freeland coming on the show to break down her strength of schedule, and she does it based on winning percentage. And the 49ers look to have the second-best um, record potentially behind only the Chiefs, according to her model. So I'm pretty fired up on that. Go ahead. Yeah, so basically what I, I will say this. So I, what I took is, just so everyone knows the back end of this, I just did this quickly last night so when you get a quick reaction show, is I actually took um, the success rate modeling from Football Outsider and created a strength of schedule for pass and run based on their stats last year. Um, this is just something I did real quick. Obviously, uh, one of the articles I do every year is shadow coverage report for 20 projecting forward. I project all the shadow corners. So I think that's going to be more notable for uh, any guys looking at wide receiver ones, tiebreakers, for example. But just from quickly looking at past games, let's talk about them first. The top five early season schedules, so week ones through four, these are the best passing game uh, offense with the easiest schedules, top five, based on success rate modeling with football outsiders last year. Number one is Denver which I think is interesting. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers going there would be, forget it, wheels up. But Teddy Bridgewater, to me, when I look at that, as I say, listen, Teddy B was able to support three top 25-ish wide receivers last year. So Cortland, I personally think from a fantasy perspective, I would rather have the consistency of Teddy B than dealing with the high volatility of Drew Locke from a fantasy standpoint. So that's something that's going to be notable. I think that if you're looking at guys like Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and those players like Noah Fant, Early on in the season, they have a very nice schedule based on success rate. So I think right there is one of the things that I'll look at during draft season. Number two on the list is your boys, the San Francisco 49ers. They got Detroit, Philly, Green Bay, and Seattle. And, you know, basically three or four of those were just atrocious last year. Green Bay was okay, but Detroit, Philly, and Seattle. But Seattle started getting better down the stretch, but overall they were not good last year. Um, so right there is San Francisco, another team in flux at quarterback, a little bit Trey Lance. 
and those guys. But if Jimmy G gets the nod early on, we could find himself maybe as a possible streamer. But it's also good news for guys like Debo and G uh, George Kittle and stuff. But what are your thoughts on that early season schedule? I'll kick it to you because it's the San Francisco 49ers. What are your thoughts there? Well, I've, I went through the schedule, and I try to be – I mean, I hope people that listen to the podcast – routinely understand this we're all homers of our team as you should be but we also try to set our fandom aside when we're doing analysis um so i tried to put a, a clear head around it and i came up with 12 and 5 they're playing 17 games now not 16 i came up with 12 and 5 which i felt like if they're healthy if they were healthy last year they're probably 12 and 4 they got beat up on both sides of the ball and jimmy went down and it was a train wreck after that so this year, I, I think they're going to be fine. Jimmy or Lance, I think they're going to be just fine. This offense is, is going to be on all cylinders. The defense is back healthy. So I like it a lot. Look, the first couple games, I mean, you know, we talked about week one on Ryan's show and, and we brought up Jared Goff and how he's familiar with the Niners for the Rams and all this other bullshit. And I was like, bro, they're going to win by two touchdowns at least. Jared Goff went to a worse team, and the Niners know Jared Goff better than Jared Goff knows the Niners, I promise you. So I think that's going to be ugly. So the Niners, I think, are going to get three or four of the first ones. Um, and then, um, you know, I think they have an early bye week, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if you have the schedule in front of you. I don't. I thought they had an early bye week. But nonetheless, I think the Niners are going to be looking pretty good. Okay, week six. So I think they could be four and one. Realistically, they could be four and one, even five and zero, oh, or three and two. Worst case scenario, by that time, and that might be a good transition from Jimmy to Lance if they decide to do it. So Niners are going to be just fine, man. And I, I do think they're going to get to wins at least if they can stay healthy. I don't know that that's going to win the division because the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and Rams are going to be very good too. But that should back them into at least a wild card uh, position. All right, number three is Houston Texans. Now, these haven't been Ugh. fun. These have not been fun, but this is notable. Jacksonville, Cleveland, Carolina, Buffalo. Buffalo is kind of the outlier there in week four. Three games are pretty nice. Carolina is still a transitioning team, relatively new uh, offensive staff, uh, defensive staff over there. You know, obviously Cleveland did invest in their cornerbacks. Their cornerbacks could be getting healthy. This could be changing for them. But Jacksonville is another team in transition. That defense is in flux. So, I, I listen, Tyrod Taylor. I understand Deshaun Watson is probably not going to play this year, and we don't want. I and I don't want to over, overstate that. But Tyrod Taylor, we haven't really seen him play consistently. But I think that he can, can at least could have one or two guys. I think especially one guy be fantasy relevant, and I think that guy would be Brandon Cook. So when I see this early season schedule, it makes me wonder. Okay, does Jacksonville, Cleveland, Carolina, and Buffalo have any true shadow corners? Tre'Davious White in Week Four. But Brady Cooks could be someone that returns value, especially if Deshaun Watson doesn't play. He falls to double-digit rounds. Would this early season schedule get you excited about Brandon Cooks? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that nobody else is on the team – well, I shouldn't say that. There's like 16 wide receivers on the on the uh, Texans, right. but I'm not excited yeah. about any of them. Um, Nico Collins hopefully works out as a, as a rookie, but he's a rookie. Uh, I like Davis Mills a lot, actually, out of Stanford. Um, if he ends up being the guy – uh, there if Deshaun Watson doesn't play. So I like Brandon Cooks no matter what. We've seen Brandon Cooks play with Hall of Fame quarterbacks, but he's been very productive for a very long time, quietly having great uh, a great career. So um, I like Brandon Cooks no matter what, frankly. And, and he just keeps plummeting because nobody can trust him with the Deshaun Watson situation. So um, 
if you could pick him up in dynasty leagues, he's still pretty young. Uh, and as far as receivers go and a redraft, just read the room. But I mean, if you need like a wide receiver four or five, I think he's going to be there in round 10 and that's going to be a steal. Yeah. So number four is Baltimore Ravens. Number five is Chicago bears. Now, listen, I think that just showed a little bit of excitement there. The the Ravens will be interesting because they do play the Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Raiders in Detroit in the first two of the first four games, which could be complete. You know, Lamar Jackson just goes crazy. They also play the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have a good defense, but with Lamar, when Patrick Mahomes is putting up points, it's going to force them to have to do the same. So I do think that could be another high-scoring affair. Week four, of course, is Denver. Uh, before I get you to your comment on that, but then let's talk about Chicago too. They're both kind of lumped together in my top five. Chicago Bears, they have the Rams, the Bengals, the Cleveland Browns, and Detroit Lions. Now, that week one opponent drives it down because the Rams are really good. But after week one, it's it's Cincinnati, Cleveland, Detroit, which could be real nice for Allen Robinson and company. After his week one shadow coverage matchup with Jalen Ramsey, you can go buy low for Allen Robinson. What are your thoughts on the Ravens and also the Bears? Yeah, I don't disagree. I'll start with the Bears here. Um, I, again, I know I'm I'm turning into like a Browns homer, which is weird. Don't sleep on the Browns defense, man. Um, I know statistically right now they're not jumping off the page because they just brought in a couple of rookies. Uh, they had the last year's rookie, uh, Delpit, was hurt. Um, you know, they have some other – their secondary got much better, brought in a high-quality safety. Um, I, I just – they brought in Clowney, I believe. They're going to be – <laughs> the Browns are going to be dangerous. So Allen Robinson playing the Browns too. I'm not excited about in the secondary, the Ravens again, man, we know what they're going to do. Um, they're going to run the ball and they're going to run the ball well. And it, and they're going to run the ball well against anybody that they play. It really comes down to how efficient can Lamar Jackson be on the ground and through the air individually. The run game as a unit is always going to be productive for the Ravens because that's what they do. But is he going to be able to throw for 250, 300 yards, which for any other quarterback is is terrible. But if he gets you 350 total yards and he can throw the ball a little bit with Tylen Wallace and um, Rashad Bateman that we just mentioned, plus Mark Andrews and uh, Sammy Watkins um, and uh, Marquise Brown, I think that they're going to be just fine. But, man, the Ravens, Ravens are going to be interesting, dude. And I really – I'm saying this early – I'm going to have to crunch numbers and get to my actual projection on the season. I'll, I won't get to all that finalized until August, but early on, man, I really believe that the Browns have a chance to win this division outright this year. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I agree. I, listen, you know I'm into it too. I, I love I love Kevin Stefanski in his second season. So now let's go to the bottom three. These are the three red flags um, in my passing game analysis. It was the Giants, the Bills, and the Raiders. Now the Raiders to me is the one that, listen, they gutted their offensive line. You know, they only brought in John Brown. They have to play the Ravens, the Steelers, the Dolphins, and the Chargers the first four weeks. That could be pretty brutal. Um, this kind of kind of calms my hype a little bit on a sleeper like John Brown, who I thought could be stepping in for Nelson Aguilar. Um, but overall, that to me is a little concerning. But uh, I guess is that – what are your takeaways from that early season? Are you going to completely – I guess it really only guys like Darren Waller. Would this impact your thoughts on Darren Waller as a potential third, fourth-round pick? You chopped up a little bit. Give me the four teams again. It is the Ravens, the Steelers, the Dolphins, and the Chargers. Terrible. All four of them. I don't want any part of that. Now, Darren, yeah. Darren, Darren Waller's Darren Waller, and there's certain players you can't fade um, because you need them long-term. And, and Darren Waller being a top two, three tight end, you're not going to buy a low on him ever um, unless he gets hurt and it's the next season. So uh, you either draft him or you don't. Um, 
I might fade him for a reason like that because I I love my boy Mark Andrews anyway. Uh, but I don't I don't want any part of Josh Jacobs anyway. Kenyon Drake, Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs. Um, I, I don't want any part of the Raiders anyway. But Darren Waller might be the one that can escape it just because he's going to be peppered no matter what. Yeah, I will say this too. I did look at the rest of the season schedule too, and it does open up for those three teams. So even the Raiders, if it could be a buy low window for a Raiders, the Buffalo Bills, the Giants, because all three of these teams have really tough early season schedules, but they do have much softer rest of season schedules. Now the Buffalo Pittsburgh in week one, Miami, Washington, and Houston. Now that's Houston, obviously week four kind of changes things. But if you look at that first three weeks, you got Pittsburgh, Miami, and Washington. Washington just got William Jackson. That's notable. Miami has, of course, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, and Baltimore Ravens have their duo at cornerback. Uh, what are your thoughts for Josh Allen? Would this make you kind of think about, think twice of maybe taking Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson over a guy like Josh Allen because of that schedule? Oh, dude, Josh Allen's such a stud. Um, I know. You know, th- that's interesting. I don't think so because – Last year, Lucas and I went really in-depth, and we're going to do this more in length onto the summer. We went really in-depth about the schedule and how it affected each team and each position on that team. And two players stood out at the quarterback position last year that we were fading no matter what because of the schedule. Daniel Jones, who makes sense now, but last year, don't forget, he was like top 12 because of the upside. Daniel Jones, we faded because their schedule was horrendous to start the season. And then Deshaun Watson was the other one. Deshaun Watson... I think was still a top six quarterback or so during that time. And Daniel Jones might've been if he didn't have so many turnovers. So um, I just think there's certain players that break the mold of the schedule thing. And Josh Allen's one of them. Now does he maybe like take a tear down if I'm in the what fourth round of a redraft, do I bat an eye at Kyler Murray and, and Justin Herbert and maybe, um, you know, Russell Wilson instead uh, or Lamar Jackson, if they're on the board and go elsewhere, maybe. Uh, if I'm that kind of a player, like I value strength of schedule first beginning of the season for sure in redraft. So I might fade that way, but he's just so good, man. I mean, look, if what he puts up 28 points instead of 35, you know, are you really that upset about it? So I, I don't know that yeah. I would fully fade, but something to consider. Passing games is the, the one caveat to all this stuff is garbage time, right? So Houston Texans last year, if you're talking about Deshaun Watson, their defense was a train wreck. So there was a lot of times when Deshaun Watson was playing catch up. How bad is the Buffalo Bills defense going to be that bad? And is, is they going to allow a lot of points to force Josh Allen in the fourth quarter to catch up with these teams? I don't know, but that's just a thought. The last teams, the Giants, they literally have the worst schedule early on in the season. Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay and company have Denver and then – Denver is becoming a very dangerous defense, especially in their secondary. Okay. Washington football team, another great team. Atlanta is the outlier here. You can take advantage of that in week three. But week four, they have Marshawn Lattimore and the New Orleans Saints. So from a from a Kenny Galladay standpoint, it's it's the, the rookie that they just drafted, Sertain. Then they have William Jackson in week two. And then week four is Marshawn Lattimore. Based on that, are you going to take Kenny Galladay in round four? No. I'm not, and I, I know that I know that you love some Kenny G. I love the player, but I'm not super yeah. excited about him going there in, in one anyway. I don't know what Daniel Jones is going to be. They do have Kadarius Tony coming over. They still have plenty of weapons on offense. Saquon's coming back. To be honest with you, outside of Saquon, man, I'm probably fading the Giants as a whole on offense. Um, mm. I mean, I might you know pick some guys up at value. Like if he if Kenny G dropped to the fifth round or something like that, that just I think I'm going to scoop him there. But yeah. he's not going to be. Right. He's not going to be my wide receiver one, and no. he may not be my wide receiver two, depending on who's 
still on the board there. So I'll, I'll, I'll probably pass. And I will say this. Once they fired Dan Quinn last year and brought in Raheem Morris to take over that Falcons defense, uh, they were much, much better down the stretch. Um, they were beat up and, and everything else, but they played much better. So the Falcons are healthy, and they're coming in playing what they did on the final like six games of the season. That's also not a cakewalk. I know they were horrendous last year in the first half of the season, but they weren't in the second half. So that's that easy game within that mix. I don't even think is an easy game anymore. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, again, Daniel Jones and the Giants. All right. We got the top five easiest schedules for fantasy football so far. Just kind of a general outlook at Bobby's model. We're going to dive deeper into that. We got the bottom three as well. I gave you some of the, the top five and bottom five just strictly based on numbers and, and last year's combined um, opponent records and um percentage uh, win percentages there so we're gonna dive much more into the rest of the scheduling but we want to give you kind of a teaser and we do have three divisions left we're gonna be back next week with some, uh, another special guest so we will see you next week i hope you have a wonderful wonderful weekend and uh, i will be doing a little traveling this weekend so i'm excited to do that and uh, everybody else if you're staying home be safe if you're on the road be safe we'll catch you this weekend if you're out there enjoying some sun Make sure you get it in, and uh, we'll be back with you next weekend. Make sure you dive into the schedule for your own team. Join us next week. Jump in the comments. Let us know what your team is doing for week one and the rest of the season. And let's get some record predictions for your team here on the TCK pod. Once again, you can find Bobby LaMarco on Twitter at FFXFactor. You can find him on Instagram as well. You can find me on Twitter at Sky Guasco and on Instagram at FantasyFootball underscore TCKPod. The rest of the crew, Lucas Kaser and Dweez Nuts as well. Follow the Candlestick Kids right here on YouTube. And if you're on the podcast, go find us on YouTube. Give us a subscribe, a like, hit the bell, leave a comment. And if you're on YouTube and you haven't found our podcast yet, make sure you download anywhere you listen to podcasts so you can catch us on the road while you're traveling in this beautiful weather. Bobby, man, always a pleasure, brother. Thank you for your time, my man. Let's get into it again next week. From my man, Bobby LaMarco, I'm your host, Scott Guasco. Have a wonderful weekend. We are out of here. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.